Hello and welcome. Welcome back on the island. It is time for another podcast, another week, another episode of Survivor Season 38, Edge of Extinction. It's me, Taylor Gaines. Back for week two to recap the latest action. Another person maybe not going home. We'll talk all about it. Spoilers coming, but first I need to spoil who my co-host for the week is. You will have never guessed it. He's afraid the sun's going to come up and zap him the hell off this earth. <laughs> it's Tyler B. Commons. Uh, I'm, I'd say I'm more afraid of like a fireball from heaven, just knowing, you know, my life. But, you know. What does that mean? <laughs> knowing my life. Do you usually have fireballs from heaven coming at you? You know, that's like a phrase people threw around. Like, oh, Bruce Almighty, when he's like, smite me, almighty smiter. And people, you know, you picture fire coming from heaven and just obliterating you. Somehow I feel like I've told this story before, but the only reason I know how to spell the word beautiful is because of the movie Bruce Almighty. Same. I mean, (laughs) maybe. I'm not positive about that fact, but I feel like every time I try to spell it now, I always go B-E-A-U-T-I-F-U-L. Don't remember anything else about that movie, except that he's like, I'm God, it's prayer time, and he just gets overwhelmed because everyone in the world is praying at once. Oof. It's a lot of voices tough life god's got it rough man yeah he does but he's also got it great that's what makes him god (laughs) yeah ty was this episode of survivor rough or great you know i thought it was great which (gasps) might not be like the popular opinion on this season so far but so far i've surprisingly loved everything i've seen i i think there's like there's one narrative i'm not in love with and we kind of talked about that going into this season of like the mom the blue-haired girl and the black guy are gonna be on the outside and well at least that didn't come true (laughs) (laughs) and we're two for three so i that's the only thing i don't like about this season but because i think it's super fun i think there's a lot of interesting challenges a lot of drama there's so much drama and it's crazy ty i've been drinking Pepto-Bismol all day just so we can talk about last night's challenge. I'm so excited about it. But first, (laughs) we have a lot of stuff to get to, as you mentioned. I felt like this episode was a slight improvement over the first one, which I thought was pretty average. We talked about last week, especially as far as premieres go. Mm -hmm. Didn't feel like we got to know anyone or the tribe dynamics very well. And like you said, it fell quickly into just voting out the outsider. And frankly, most of the entertainment was saved for the last 90 seconds of the premiere, in my opinion. I thought this week's episode was better top to bottom. I felt like we got to get a better sense of what was going on on each beach. We got to know everyone a little bit more than last week. But we did fall into, like you said, the same issue uh, in some sense of just voting out the weird outsider. But is losing two straight challenges and having him weigh down that challenge a reason to do it i don't know i it's i felt like there was a lot of overarching huge strategy talk in this episode and i think they're doing a good job of showing how everyone is weighing everything and almost making me feel like there is no wrong decision as long as it's not you 
Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting, the talk in Tribal Council of, are you worried about challenges? Are you worried about loyalty down the road? Um, are you worried about who's going to stab you in the back? Like, there was, there was several options of people that could have gone home this week. I think we had three solid options, and, you know, they went with one that uh, <laughs> clearly was not a challenge threat. I think uh, if you have Joe on one side of the spectrum... Sadly, I think Keith is like totally on the opposite side. 19-year-old Keith Sowell goes home in the second episode, but does he? We'll talk about that more in a little bit. I do want to ask you right now, okay? because it's one of my favorite things that's happened in an exit in a long time. I want you to interpret this for me because Keith got voted out, was very surprised, which is probably a different conversation from what i want to ask you but he gets up and he says y'all think y'all are still gonna win challenges ty what okay break this down for me i will say the wording of you think you're still gonna win challenges implies that they've won challenges in the past that's number one (laughs) but i'm kind of on the same boat with keith in the idea behind his argument they're clearly not the challenge team. And we talked about this last week. In the preseason, we saw that. We knew that Manu, RIP Ginobili, was not going to do well in challenges. <laughs> By the way, Manu Ginobili has not died, and this is still not a basketball podcast. Oh my God, that's the thing I had to mention from last week. Kimbo Slice died. <laughs> no way. We were talking before, there was something on last week's episode that I was like, I need to remember to bring this. And I know I'm derailing the Survivor talk, but... We mentioned Kimbo Slice last week for some reason and as a reference to like high school and and something like a person we had remembered. Yeah, we were talking about Extinction Island and how these people like they might just say, oh, maybe he's going to come back. And that was Kimbo's role on The Ultimate Fighter. He died on June 5th, 2016 of heart failure after a mass on his liver was diagnosed. He was 42 years old. So that's just something I needed to follow up on. I was told by my own father, actually, when he heard us mention Kimbo Slice, that he had passed away. So rest in power to Kimbo. Gosh. I, I, I feel bad. I made a joke that he wasn't on the season of Survivor, and I guess he couldn't have been. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying about Keith? <laughs> uh, I understand the idea of him being upset. And whether you kick him off, whether you kick Kelly off, whether you kick Big Wendy off, it doesn't feel like Manu has a shot at winning any challenges. And, like, I don't know if that's a problem with the way they group people or or what, but I understand the idea behind what he said. But, you know, whenever you're angry, you don't speak English good. I I never speak English good. Yeah, you kind of reminded me just now of (laughs) something else that happened in this episode, which was... The war dog bringing up the fact that a tribe swap could be coming and and we could debate whether his strategy was sensible and what he was talking about. But I thought it was notable to show that a player was conscientious of a potential tribe swap because oftentimes those feel very random and unfair to me. Like you're sitting here setting up all these alliances and then it just gets screwed up. And it's just a nice reminder or acknowledgement, I guess, to know that people are thinking about that and they're like planning for it in some way. Yeah. 
I, I guess to dive in the realm of speculation and you know where Survivor at and what it's doing, that would be really interesting to see a tribe swap after six days. You know, before they let something get so lopsided and then it's, you know, Navidi strong or whatever. Yeah. That would be super interesting if War Dog was prophetic and, and this happens like immediately before things get too far out of balance. The War Dog always prophesies. <laughs> I, yeah, I loved the quote from Keith, obviously. It was really amazing. Uh, they're really playing up how angry people are on their way out just so they can lead up to that ultimate choice at the end of the walk there. But mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. Before we go to that, I want to go to Extinction Island at the top of this episode because I think for the second week in a row, I found it to be the most compelling human story in the show, which was watching Reem suffer by herself out there, talking about how no one knows she's here. Like, this is so hard to live this way. There's no timeline. Like, I don't know how long I have to be here. But I, I don't want to quit. And, like, it's, it was a very cinematic, like, look at her life there by herself. And I guess I'm just a sucker for this self-analysis of it, too. Like, how much she's sitting talking about what she did wrong and, like, how could I be better? And, like, how did I not notice? And mm. building this potential arc for redemption and growth and maybe it's just appealing to me because when i am left on my own following some kind of situation where i have reason to be critical of myself i like i saw myself in that moment you know and (laughs) it felt very real and human and like this idea that there's no timeline on it was really compelling to me of just like when you make a mistake and you're living in it you don't know how long It's going to take to recover. You don't know how long you're going to live, man. You never know. If you're Kimbo, you're gone at 42. Wow. Was that too early? Was that a joke? To make a joke like that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I guess it's just the way you said it. Time to recover. Time to bring it back. Okay. We're here. You could have just said it in a different tone. It would have been fine. Um, That was really interesting to see Reem kind of questioning everything. And I think that that is the perfect counterpoint to the big game of survivor i don't know if i've ever had to call it that because i've never had a weird island like this but the in the action well everybody's going through terrible situations but they're going through terrible situations with people and i think that that makes it more manageable you know she was here sitting here saying i've only had two bites of coconut in the last three days yeah and aside from rice i'm pretty sure that's all everybody else eats so it's not like it's not a huge difference per se but the also fact like that she has she's to just do it sitting on there own. what do you need food for yeah she's just not competing in anything <laughs> i don't i wonder if she tried to make a shelter or build any of that stuff or if she's allowed to try and improve stuff i don't really we don't know the rules and and part of the mystery of the edge of extinction i'm just gonna call it extinction island even though i don't think that's what it's called Part of the mystery of Extinction Island is just that we're wondering just as much as she's wondering. And I think that that is a really cool idea to have no clue what's happening. And it's it's paralyzing, as we saw with Keith. So it's (laughs) it's I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah, that was pretty much the only look we got at her in the whole episode outside of the tag, because 
I guess if we're not going to get exit interviews this season, we're just going to get a 30-second look at life on Extinction Island instead. And she mentioned that if no one else showed up, she might just quit. So yeah, will someone show up? We will debate in a few minutes. But I want to run through some of the events of this episode first. We got our classic wet hand shot at the beginning of the episode, seeing how everyone's hands are old and wrinkly looking. And a look at the dynamics over at Manu, which play out over the course of the episode, but are framed as Wendy versus Kelly, essentially, even to the point where the name of the episode, One of Us is Going to Win the War, came from that (laughs) dynamic. It didn't end up being much of a war, honestly, (laughs) and and it didn't even really end up being Wendy versus Kelly. But it was interesting to see the dynamics that unfolded there with Wendy and Keith trying to pull Rick and David over and Kelly and Lauren and the white guy in the in jeans trying (laughs) to Chris one of the uh, one of them (laughs) just uh, standing on the other side of things uh, along with uh, War Dog. Is there a white guy in jeans on Manu? I'm honestly like. Eric and and Rick or Chris are Eric and Chris are confusing me. I don't know who's who. Point mm-hmm. being, Manu was clearly infighting a bit more, having just gone to tribal and considering taking a shot at Kelly. What, what was your thought on the way things were playing out over there? I thought it was interesting to see how fragmented the tribe became because you have people and clearly powerful people. I think right now that. Um, Kelly is in the most, you know, powerful position, at least it looks like that. And people aren't happy about that. You mentioned um David and Rick, and those two are seeing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Wardog also, I think, is being perceptive about you mentioned him talking about a merge and swap. Just seeing how the or yes, a swap, not a merge. Just seeing the group kind of splinter off and people in panic mode this early is kind of interesting kind of crazy to see i thought steven fishback made an interesting point in his column this week he talked about how the reason he doesn't like new player slash returning player seasons is the new player's character often winds up being defined by their relationship to the returners Mm -hmm. and you could feel that in this episode where it's sort of like, you ever heard of that Bechdel test thing where people watch movies for the sake of like feminism and say, oh, every female character in this movie is either in a scene with a guy talking about how much they love him or, I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering this, but <laughs> even when they're in a scene without a guy, they're talking about the guy who's not in the scene or whatever. And I guess the really rough version of this you can look up (laughs) how it really works but is that the Bechdel test is essentially does your movie or show have a lot of scenes where women are just talking about their own problems and not the dude (laughs) Mm. like can they clear that bar (laughs) and the reason I think of that is basically every time we see the new players talking on this season they're talking about one of the returners and they're not really getting a chance to grow themselves into interesting characters for us and they're kind of limited by that it feels like yeah uh, to be 
forced to talk about these four returning players, um, you're right, doesn't give as much character development for who these people are of their own merit. It's just, well, how are these people relating to Aubrey? How are these people relating to Dave? And then everything sort of stems from that. And uh, Well, we got to see how people are relating to Aubrey, which apparently is very well, according to Aubrey, that they all are just reminding her of herself and she just wants to have a dialogue with them ty yeah i just want to have a dialogue well i thought the interesting thing is we got that little montage of everybody basically getting smoke blown up their butt from aubrey and then aubrey i think also said one of the best things this episode that sort of related to what we were just talking about in that Kama hasn't had any trouble. So everybody's just happy and dancing and coming up with chants and doing whatever. And she thinks it's ridiculous. She's going to roll with it because she doesn't want to stand out. But she was like, almost like, no, I really wanted to go to First Tribal and figure out what's happening because yeah, right now she... she can't figure it out. And I think that, you know, the flip side of that is you look at Manu, which is literally ripping itself apart and everybody's wondering who's with who and you know is big wendy gonna come join us now is she not gonna join us do we need to just get rid of her do we need to get rid of keith do we need to get rid of kelly and on the flip side aubrey's saying i think lines do need to be drawn in the sand because maybe she's not comfortable with this season just becoming a comma strong post-merge or something like that yeah she talked about hating kumbaya survivor and (laughs) was a participant of a truly unsettling moment where she was twerking or something and Ron Clark was standing behind her like fake slapping her. It was like haunting my dreams last night, whatever was happening there. But to <laughs> the still point dream of, of Aubrey, <laughs> not in the same way <laughs> <laughs> to the point of her, her funny editing bit though, where she was basically caught saying the same thing to every single person. Mm-hmm. I think one thing she appears to not have taken into account in being a returner mixed in with new players is the fact that the new players are going to talk about you and they're mm-hmm. going to have a target on you. And maybe a new player could get away with that kind of strategy and saying the same thing to everyone because the odds of everyone picking one person and being like comparing notes yeah. are probably lower. Whereas with Aubrey, people are going to do that and she's going to get found out. So it's, it's a tough look for her and I don't know if it's by coincidence or if it goes back to our conversation last week that was spurred on by our friend Andy Dennert at Reality Blurred talking about some of the like sexism and prejudice against minorities in Survivor because the only two returners who are really being targeted right now are the two women. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that's you have to remember that's all we get to see. And we talk about the edit and they have to go 72 hours in 42 minutes Not that Joe is the big strategist, but we've seen little to no strategy from Joe at all. And David actually did get a surprisingly good edit um, in his relationship with Rick. definitely looks the safest out of the four. Yeah, but that's because we get to see him. You know, Joe might be in that same boat, but we just don't see him because he doesn't talk strategy as much or as often or as well. Winning solves everything, too. And frankly... That tribe, whatever we've seen from there, hasn't had to deal with much to this point. So maybe there will be a swap of some sort next week. Maybe they'll just finally lose TBD. 
The other thing that this episode spent a lot of time on was idol hunting. And I was texting with my mom about this. She was saying they spent too much time showing that. And they possibly did. There was a lot of just people looking through the forest. But the thing I found interesting about it was a lot of people, including us at times, complain how easy it seems to find an idol. Where they'll show a guy searching for five minutes and then he'll find the idol. And I say he intentionally. (laughs) But they really made an effort to show how much work goes into finding those things and how much time every single person spends on it, which I appreciated at least a little bit. Yeah, I thought that was good. And I thought throughout that whole sequence of shots of everybody looking and people going out and Julie was walking to the well trying to convince i don't remember exactly who she was walking to the well with it might have been aurora it might have been victoria victoria sounds right it was victoria and someone else was there i think but yeah having the conversation about maybe this is why women don't find idols like we're sitting here talking about the problem of all the men finding idols instead of just going to find idols so it was it was interesting to hear that coming from her as we got to see it, and then, you know, they had the little sequence where she threw the palm fronds down and is like, well, screw it, I'm going to look for idols. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's interesting, too, because it's almost, we talked about how the editing has been more avant-garde in this last season and two episodes or so. It was sort of a multi-season arc from spending a lot of time with Angelina and Gabby last season talking about how women never find idols, and you go back through the seasons, and it's always men finding them, and... Now this is coming up again. And then, of course, it leads into Manu, where we see my winner pick and one of your top power rankers last week, Lauren, actually finding the idol and not only finding it, but finding it on her own so that no one else knows about it and breaking the streak a little bit of uh, getting out ahead of the men on the idol hunting. Yeah, and we talked about it. I was not a Lauren fan in the preseason, but the these first two episodes, the fact that she found the idol and was like, there's no way I'm telling Kelly about this. I thought that Great. was like the best move that she could possibly do. Because yeah. we don't want to have like a Dan situation where he's like, oh, I'm going to tell you everything I find and I'm going to tell you when I find it. And then you're going to tell someone and you're going to tell someone. And she's like, no, I got this idol. I'm going to keep it myself. I'm going to bury it. I know right where to go. And she is, she's playing really, really well. I am still a little worried about her being saddled up with Kelly, who does seem like she's in a powerful position, but also weirdly on the bottom at the same time. But yeah, the arc of women not finding idols. And then first idol this season found by Lauren O'Connell. Way to go. Yeah, interesting first half of the episode, essentially, to that point. And then we got one of my favorite challenges in a long time, if only because I didn't really get bored during it. I got to (laughs) enjoy what looked to me like we were watching some weird diorama of the Survivor players as a unit trying to shit while constipated (laughs) and pushing this giant... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this giant poop like snake and to the point <laughs> like trying to get it up and over and into the water <laughs> and jeff was even <laughs> i wrote this down jeff even yelled at one point one last big push will do it 
<laughs> and then they're all like, Ugh. and then it goes plop. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm still five years old, Ty. That's okay. I'm I'm oh. generally the five year old, so I'm happy that you decided to take the reins on it this time. It was amazing. Yeah, and I think actually we talk about challenges can sometimes be a bore, but it was very essential to see Keith absolutely suck at a challenge. Yeah, so this 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 challenge had three stages, which was forcing the snake out of its cage and into the ocean, then dragging it up the beach and pulling stuff out of it, and then throwing things onto well there was some kind of lock and key thing too but then essentially throwing things onto some kind of horseshoe type contraption and (laughs) keith struggled at pretty much every point like at the opening of the challenge he was swimming and he was going really slow which we saw a little bit of last week too he couldn't even help lift the snake really at any point and then they made a big deal out of showing him failing at the ring toss Mm-hmm. which I think was maybe a little overblown because a lot of people were missing, but he was derided at tribal council later by Jeff <laughs> saying that it was just an undeniably awful performance. So it was a tough look for him. And it led to what we alluded to at the top of this podcast, which was this conversation surrounding, Hey Manu, how are we ever going to win with Keith? And it's, it's not, fair to put all that blame on Keith because there was still seven other people but it just didn't work their tribe doesn't work at challenges they don't have the brute strength they don't I mean David solved the lock and key thing fine but that's just like it's luck you pick numbers and you figure it out so it's not like getting rid of Keith astronomically improves their chances at winning anything but it's just kind of like oh well here's the sheep let's just get rid of the sheep he didn't really do anything see you buddy yeah we talked last week too about being interested in the war dog and what he was gonna do and the way this episode was edited was as if to show us that he was in pretty much full control of where things ended up going because when they got back from tribal it seemed like despite himself Keith was still going to be okay. It was still going to be this Kelly versus Wendy kind of battle. And then War Dog was like, guys, let's get rid of Keith. And then all of a sudden things were happening. I thought there was an interesting moment where Keith approached white guy in jeans and said, hey, I am indebted to you. You've like helped me. You've taught me how to swim. I I will be loyal to you forever. And then white guy in jeans got really confused about what he should do, but ultimately decided to go with the pack and vote out Keith. Yeah. Keith tried to stir the pot and say, you know, I'll do whatever you need me to. I'll be with you. But in the end, he just, it's a shame that he sticks out so much in challenges and the beginning of the game and the end of the game is really predicated on challenges And I feel like the middle of the game is where dynamics kind of make or break where you're you're stacked, where you're sitting. Are you going to go home or not? Because Keith struggled in the challenges, but I felt like specifically his performance at Tribal was respectable because he didn't apologize or back down or seem like a 19-year-old. 
mm-hmm. he was very vocal and confident in himself despite everything that had happened even so much to the point where he did truly seem surprised when he was voted out in what shouldn't have maybe been as much of a surprise like he should have known he was at least in danger and maybe he did but i felt like i got just the slightest glimpse of someone who would have been a really interesting player if he had had things break a little differently and you know maybe he will (laughs) although (laughs) i'm not super confident in him surviving in that situation just given what we've been shown but maybe there's more to him than we've been allowed to see yeah and that's what you have to hope for you have to hope that in a situation like this um which by the way we don't know you have to hope that he can stick it out and you know be strong and be the player it's so hard because i haven't found that person in this cast that i hate there's some seasons where there's just people that i hate and i haven't found it so so far seeing people go home it stinks go home i'm doing air quotes that you can't see because no one goes home but (laughs) yeah so let's talk about that because there's two different elements to the way that this played out now the first is is Keith going to go? And I don't know how much you want to get into that question because ultimately it's just going to be answered in a few days. Mm-hmm. And it might not be, the, the reasoning might not be that interesting. But if he chooses not to, it would be interesting because I, I saw this week that Gordon Holmes, one of these survivor writers that's out there on the internet, wrote about a poll he did, like an informal poll of like several former survivors. And not a single one said that they wouldn't say yes to that. And I have a hard time, like we talked about last week, imagining anyone not saying yes to that. But they really played it up. I, I mean, what did you make of that final moment? And, and what did you think, what do you think he's going to wind up doing? Surprisingly, I am fairly convinced that Keith is going to choose to go home. I. It seems to me as if him getting voted out this way really broke his spirit and not to say that he wouldn't be bad on another with an on another season or with a different group of people but just the hesitation he's having standing there leads me to believe that he has had enough and he is gonna walk away which is really hard and like you said we don't imagine anyone choosing that option and in the informal poll obviously everyone's like no nah, i'm gonna stick it out but you're like you're not there in the moment so you can't really i just say from the comfort of your own home i just can't see it i mean it's only been six days like if we were 20 days in maybe i would be like you know what this person's probably had enough but i even then you could argue they're so close now or whatever i, I just mm-hmm. i can't imagine it like why would why would you just give up I mean, he does seem to acknowledge the vagueness of the instruction, which is like, I don't know what I'm walking into. Mm -hmm. Like, this could be a cage with five lions in it, and I just have to survive there for a while. But, yeah, it's hard to imagine. I I mean, my thought and prediction is that he will go to Extinction Island, if only because the tag was like, man, if no one shows up, I'm going to have to quit. And I just feel like that's a good teaser for someone to show up. 
Now, the, the second aspect of this that we can talk about from a TV perspective is Survivor doesn't usually do stupid stuff like this where they're <laughs> like, come back next week to find out which C-level celebrity was under the mask the whole time. But they are doing it, and I feel like I'm into it. <laughs> and I, I think this just goes back to what I was talking about last week, which is Survivor when they play with themes like this that I usually don't like, it's more interesting for me to not know exactly what the theme means for as long as possible. Yeah. So I'm almost intrigued by dragging it out and just building in this week-to-week drama, especially in a world where you can usually just hit play next episode and you'll get to see whether everyone graduates from the Umbrella Academy before the rainstorm hits or whatever. And... I find it somewhat appealing for that to not exist, for it to be like, you know what? You got to wait a week to find out. Yeah, it is an interesting aspect and something that's not normally done. And Did I get the plot of Umbrella Academy right, by the way? I haven't watched it yet. I, you know, I can't figure it out. I'm stuck in the middle of that show, and like individually, each episode just sucks. <laughs> like The writing's terrible, and I'm, I'm not one that usually nitpicks that stuff, but like the writing is bad. And I literally am like sitting through it because I just want to know how it ends. That's all I'm curious about it. But diving back to Survivor, yeah, not knowing what Extinction Island is is really it's it's a big draw, and uh, it feels like you know murder mystery or something that you have no idea. Um, I was talking to uh, my dad earlier. Oh, look about at us this. talking to our parents all the time. I know, right? Here's the theme. He thinks, what if there's multiple extinction islands and everybody is forced to stay alone for the next 30 days? (laughs) How much harder would that be if, like, Fareem, no one shows up and Keith just shows up at his own extinction island and it's like, well, how long can you stand solitary confinement? I can almost guarantee that's not going to happen, but I would love it. I think it would be a really interesting twist because... It's even more keeping us in the dark than what has happened so far. Because if Keith goes to his own island, then it's like, well, is that just going to make two new tribes? And they're just going to like... I just can't imagine they have enough like production people to have potentially like 12 different islands with one person (laughs) on each one. But it's a good idea. And uh, the other thing is they've shown production pictures of this island, which makes me think there's only one. But surprise us. Come at us. Yeah, That'd be amazing. Survivor, keeping us in the dark. Yeah, so like we talked about previously, there's no exit interview to fill you in on because, mm-hmm. one, we don't know whether Keith has exited, and two, I guess their policy this season is just to not do them because of the likelihood of them going to Extinction Island. So I tried to find some stuff out there from our Survivor people I did find a really interesting piece from our friend Annie Dennard who joined us in the preseason. Just sort of, this is a little bit not specific to this episode, but I found it worth bringing up because I hadn't personally heard it before. And it was him answering the question of how the order of voting is decided in tribal council and how Propes decides what comes out when, essentially. Mm -hmm. Here's what we know, according to Andy. When he tallies the votes, he puts them in the most dramatic order possible based on what happening in the voting booth. The producers are watching a feed so they know how each person voted. 
They also have knowledge of idols that might be played since they'll ask players about that in pre-tribal council interviews. Of course, they never know exactly if someone's going to play for sure, but they will order it in a way that will come out dramatically and he will not rearrange them if someone plays an idol. He'll just try to pull out votes potentially in a different order, but they also vote in order of how they are seated and they edited it. They edit it in a way where it looks like people are getting up in different orders, but all they just do is go left to right so that they don't tip their hand as to which contestant has a more powerful vote or whatever. Mm. It's interesting. Apparently they also often seat players with conflicts next to each other and put players who are the focus of the episode in the center. You can see from last week's screenshot that Reem is dead in the center of her tribe, which is interesting. (laughs) And they also are allowed to talk while voting is happening, or at least there doesn't seem to be any rule against it from the tribals that reporters have attended. Like, And you've seen it on TV before. People can lean over and whisper and whatnot. So, yeah, just some, some interesting insights, I thought. Go check out his story on realityblurred.com if you want to get the full thing. He's a little more detailed than I was, but, yeah, pretty cool. Well, isn't that neat? Knowing how they vote, maybe one day we'll get to. Well, Ty, what if I let you vote right now? This very day. Tell me more. Well, there's a little something on this show that we like to do every week. It's called Power Rankings. Oh, I'm ready. All right, Ty. Every week we rank our top three players of the episode from three to one. The first place person gets three points, second place two, third place one from each of us, and I will tally up the points each week. Last week, Ty, Joe led the way. With one first place vote, four total points. Kelly in second with three points and one first place vote herself. Lauren with two. Ron Clark with two. David with one. So, it's a new week. It's a new power rankings. Let's give our top three tie. Who is your number three player of the week? Number three, I'm going to give it to our boy, David. I really liked seeing David and Rick kind of develop a relationship and kind of try to become the puppet masters behind the scenes and get things rolling and flowing and going on the Ginobili tribe. So for that reason, David, number three. I actually want to give number three to David as well because returners, I still feel despite this early target, have a distinct advantage and he seems to have the advantageist advantage of them all in that no one is coming after him and he's made a strong alliance, and he just seems to be blending in with his tribe better than the other three. So, been impressed by him, and will put him in my number three spot for the second week in a row. Number two for me, Lauren O'Connell, because she's on a losing tribe, but she's got an immunity idol. That's really it. I don't have a whole lot to say about her, but she's uh, she's playing well, despite what I thought early. Yeah, I am still on the Lauren train, and I agree. Weirdly, I think I'm also going to have her number two. I'm interested to see who our number ones are going to be this week. But I'm in on her. Seems smart, athletic. She's got good connection, at least with Kelly. But again, we still don't really know if that's good or bad at this point. But I always like to award people in my power rankings if they make a big action happen. And... She found an immunity idol. So there you go. She's my number two. Um, this is a challenge, Ty. Who's, who's number one? Number one, 
I am going to give this to the man himself, Ron Clark of Ron Clark Academy. And you're probably wondering why, because he can dance with Aubrey, your woman. Not just that, he still has his advantage, and his advantage has to be played next week. So I'm just interested to see what's going to happen, how that's going to work. Is he going to steal a reward, or is he going to play an idol for no reason? Is he going to keep it a secret? I don't know. I think he's in a safe spot. I think even if that tribe somehow miraculously loses, he is not on the chopping block. So kind of a weird shot in the dark pick from Kama, but Ron Clark of the Ron Clark Academy. Ty, I hate this because we never have the exact same top three. And I feel like people who listen for the first time last week and are listening again this week are going to be like, wow, these guys plan this. Where in reality, I didn't even talk to you about this segment of the show before we started recording. Mm-mm. And I also was like, I need to make sure I bias the winning tribe and pick someone from the winning tribe because they're clearly the best. And then I looked around. No one was that interesting <laughs> except for Ron because he has this advantage. And there was also a scene of him like leading a dance party and telling his tribe they need to create a song and a dance that they can go do at the challenge. So he seems like the leader. He seems like he's got a lot of power. And unfortunately, I also have him number one. Wow, that could be the first time in like three years that we've done the same number one, two, and three. I hate it. I'm quitting. Podcast over. (laughs) But you know what? If this isn't the first time, I bet our good pal Ernest is going to tell us, set us straight. That's what he does. Shouts to Ernest for correcting us on, well, not correcting us as much as answering our question, which was... Who named the episode last week? Because we couldn't remember. It was It Smells Like Success was the name of the episode. And as Ernest told us on Twitter, the episode title was spoken by Joe when he was making fire. Good guy, Ernest. Always covering us. Saving our I feel our like backs. he just, he's angling to make sure he gets mentioned on every podcast. That's all he wants. <laughs> and it's working. <laughs> so well. What did you think? <laughs> so before before we do our whole sign-off thing, um... What did you think of Victoria Bahamande this episode? Because she actually got some airtime and got to talk a little bit. Did you have any thoughts on her? Or am I just taking a weird shot in the dark and left turn? I don't have any strong thoughts on her yet. They didn't show a great moment, I guess. It was like Julie saying, let's go look for idols. Or, or why are the men always looking for idols? And Victoria just saying, so we should babysit them more? And Julie saying... No, we should look for idols more, which is a nice back and forth. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't. She talked a little bit too about the Aubrey thing and noticing how how Aubrey was approaching everyone the same way. I did like her observation of, dude, you just asked me how I felt about returners in the middle of camp. Like, what do you want me to say? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a fair point. But yeah, no, I don't have a definitive outlook on her to this point other than that i am somewhat enjoying i assume mispronouncing her name (laughs) and i'm just still waiting for the right sheep joke yeah i i didn't have a whole lot of strong feelings but i did like how she noticed the aubrey thing and she was willing to talk about it and she seems like she's in with a couple people and i know that you were pretty high on her in the preseason so i was you know just fishing for answers yeah no no reason for concern or excitement yet, I'd say. All right, Ty, I'm going blind. My allergies are kicking up at this time of night, and I can't see out of my left eye right now. 
So I think since this is an audio medium and I feel very one with the audience right now, good time to end the episode. That is week two of Survivor Season 38, Edge of Extinction. This has been On the Island, a podcast where we talk about Survivor, talk to Survivors, and talk to Survivors about Survivor. I've been Taylor Gaines. He's been Tyler B. Commons. Ty, any last words? Only that I have been Tyler Commons, Tyler B. Commons, (laughs) and I will continue to be Tyler B. Commons. Let's shake on that, and I'll cut your throat at four. All right, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Go write us a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time, that's all we wrote. One, two, three, four. Keep it real. Bye. On the island. If you wanna hear it here on the island You gotta talk about the show If you wanna live here on the island And you're gonna survive When you're gonna be a living a life on the island And you're living a survivor on the island I'm not good at making these things up as well <laughs> That is right uh, Again Check One, two, one, two, check Check, check, check Put it in my shoe Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. What, 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 Check, check. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? You're gonna count to two. One, two. Then they'll say, hey, you passed the test. I guess this is not a mess. We're gonna go rob someone else's house. Let's go find a different blouse to wear to the next house, because this guy will recognize us, because we were already wearing these blouses. All right, so are we ready to start recording? (laughs) (laughs) All right, count it down so we can get as close to timing as possible for you. All right, three, two, one, go.